I remember since I was six years old watching Oprah Winfrey's show. My mom was a huge fan, and so I was a huge fan. Every day after school, we'd come home and learn about whatever was on the show. And we watched it throughout the years, change from being something about what was going on with normal people to what we could learn from some of the world's visionaries and most famous celebrities. So it was really special last year when Oprah Winfrey announced that part of her new endorsement with WW, formerly known as Weight Watchers, was going to be a tour. Oprah's 2020 Vision Tour finally came to LA, and for Christmas, I bought tickets for my mom and Phil and I to go see the show. The show this weekend included Julianne Huff getting us whipped up into a frenzy with her dance moves and musical stylings. It also included Oprah being, well, Oprah, and a workbook with Oprah helping us figure out what our 2020 vision was. And the guest at the stop in Los Angeles was Jennifer Lopez, fresh off of her big stint on the world's biggest stage at the Super Bowl. So I thought for this episode, it would be fun to just talk about what happened. What did we see in ourselves in Oprah's words, and what was the day like? So that's what we're going to do. On this episode, I've got my mom, Mindy, and my husband, Phil, here to talk about what we learned hanging out with Oprah at her 2020 Vision Tour. So let's dive in. So you have a story to tell, and you wonder how to own the stage and give that killer speech that will captivate the masses. You don't just want to speak to them. You want to transform your audience. Welcome to the Mic Drop Moment. Bold conversations about public speaking, storytelling, and business that give you real-world valuable takeaways so you can craft a speech, a story, a business, and a life that the world can't stop talking about. It's time to find your mic drop moment. Here is your host, Mike Ganino. Did you have any expectations going in of like, what was a day with Oprah going to be like? Like, what was, what was going to be happening? Did you, what did you think was going to happen to us? Of like, we're locked in a stadium with Oprah all day long. Well, I knew off the bat that we would be entertained for sure. I always loved watching the show and I knew whatever was going to happen was going to be Super fun. <laughs> yeah. I think I feel the same way. I had no expectation. I was just open to whatever was going to happen. I was excited for it. Um, even just coming to L.A. is a big thing for me. <laughs> Living in my one cactus town. It's like... Three cactus. Know, three cactus. <laughs> We've got a lot of, fa- a lot of uh, cactus and a bunch of, a bunch of uh, not natural grass here. Yes. So welcome to the big city. So when the, uh, the tour, the, the show opened with like a big performance, like these... And initially, I'm always the person who's kind of, like, nervous about that. Like, oh, great, they're going to make us dance with each other or, like, turn and give each other massages or some creepy thing like that. But it was actually really fun. The group Daybreaker opened with movement. How was that? Was that – did you, like, get into it? Were you feeling I it? I loved it. Oh, I, I absolutely thought that was so much fun. Yes. We were, like, totally sweating more than I anticipated. <laughs> I did absolutely. also expect some kind of weird group – you know, like greet your neighbor kind of thing, which we never really did. I think just with like smiles, we did that. <laughs> but there were the the group kind of um, the rev the rev up period thing that you know Oprah would do on her show to kind of rev up the crowd also happened there, which was really fun. But it was also like an opportunity for the startup to kind of like get a little bit more visibility mm-hmm. through Oprah, which I thought was cool. But it was really fun. Yeah, it was absolutely fun. 
and the sweating part. I was like, is anybody else sweating but me? Yeah, no, well, I was for sure. And it's kind of fun to think about like 13,600 people all like moving. Mm-hmm. I mean, mostly together. Some people weren't very coordinated. And so well, some like, people seemed like they just wanted to be there to see Oprah. Yeah. And they weren't like actually, they were just sitting. But yes. that was like definitely the very minimum. But it was very odd to see people like that. Where it's like, why are you here? Like, why yeah, aren't you I was the same thing. enjoying this? Yeah. But you know what? Everyone's on their own journey. Everyone's yeah. on their own journey, getting their own little path in there and figuring it out. So, you know, I bless you. I bless that person. Yes. Good luck to you. So the the I was surprised that Oprah spent as much time with us as she did. I thought, you know, the day was gonna go from nine AM to four PM. And I thought we would get like sprinklings of Oprah, but there'd be like other random people there guiding us through the workbook because when we sat down in our seat, we had those bags, and in the bags were these workbooks. And I thought, surely Oprah Winfrey, billionaire, queen of all things, is not going to be saying, please open to page 23. But she did. Yeah, absolutely was our teacher for the day. She was our teacher. Mm-hmm. What a teacher. What a teacher. And it was interesting. So in this, in this workbook, we had to go through and we rated ourselves. So we rated where are we at with different levels of, of things. We had to talk about how we were with nutrition, movement, purpose. We were scoring ourselves, doing our homework, as Oprah said, throughout the day. And that was supposed to kind of reveal where we were with balance. And speaking of balance, uh, Oprah, this is the classic stop on the tour where she lost her balance on stage. So do you remember like that moment when you saw Oprah Winfrey falling on stage? What were you thinking? I actually stood up. I was trying to see, is she okay? Does she need help? Yeah. What do we do? I and won't I was, be able to get I to was her. in a moment of like kind of quiet meditation, thinking about beautiful things. And then I was like, whoa, I just totally missed that. <laughs> you manifested <laughs> Oprah hitting the ground in your meditation. It was, it was interesting too because the crowd was like a mix of like, wait, did... Did we just see Oprah yes. Winfrey fall on stage? But she bounced back so quick. She and did. Just, like, flawless. You know what I loved is she also was just really calm with it. Mm-hmm. She, like, yeah. fell and she didn't yell. She just stayed on the ground and she said, Bring my shoes. shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and no one ever brought her shoes. No one ever brought her out no. any shoes. They were freaking out backstage. They were like, what shoes? <laughs> Shoving yeah. each other behind the scene. You go out yeah. not going. Well, it's interesting when you think of a big production like that, right? There's 13,600 people in this stadium. Lots and lots of revenue being pumped in and pumped out of everybody's pocket. There's such high production. There's probably like a rule of like, do not walk onto that stage mm-hmm. except for these times. So she's probably out there and it's like, who's... Who's responsible for bringing Oprah shoes if she falls? I guess that's a good note. But I, I thought it was uh, obviously she's a pro. She's, yeah, I don't know, one of the most famous person in the world, maybe. And she just stayed on the ground and said, wrong shoes, wrong shoes. Someone bring me shoes. I love that Stedman was there. Gail King was there. Rita Wilson was there. I don't know her name, but Meghan Markle's mom was there sitting next to Gail King. It was definitely L.A. was the celebrity stop on the tour. Right. It was kind of fun. We saw Curtis Stone. Oh, yes. I was within a few feet of him. Yeah. He looks just as good in person. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't care if the camera adds or takes away 10 pounds. Bring it all on, right. Curtis Stone. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. So it was, So she fell. She got up. She went shoeless for a while. It was really funny afterwards. But no, Stedman rushed the stage yeah. to, to, to you know, save her, whatever, yeah. which well, was no, really cute. Because no one else did. <laughs> well, it was just like everyone was stunned. They just left Oprah hanging up there. So <laughs> thankfully, Jeez. 
Thankfully, Stedman rushed over there to, to save her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably the rest of us, how are we going to get close enough to help her? There was one person that came out from backstage. Yeah, one and person came out and was probably like, okay, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to try. <laughs> try. Try to see what I can do. I guess if this is my last day with the Oprah Winfrey <laughs> organization, then at least I tried. You know, the other thing, speaking of being close to Oprah, I was surprised she came and walked the floor. We were sitting in the floor seats, so we had good good access to Oprah. After she fell. After she fell, she came out there with her bare feet. She is not worried about the coronavirus. She's immune. And she let people, she went kissing people. Yes. She was touching their hands. And she was just a mirror. So I have to ask you, Mom, because, you know, obviously... I watched so much of Oprah growing up because of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Susan Powder. Oh, I remember yes. Stop the Insanity. I remember <laughs> all of the different things. And so what was it like for you when you looked over at one point and Oprah is three feet away from you? This person who for for 30-something years you've been watching, you've been studying, you've been learning from. What was that like to be just a few feet away from her? It, when I looked over to my right and she was there, it was like, my God, she's real. I mean, it, she's got a nose and a face and hair, and she's <laughs> shorter than I thought she was. A broken well, ankle. Because she didn't have her shoes on, but yeah, she, it was amazing. I mean, a part of me wanted to get up and just, I want to go hug her too. Yeah. But, you know, I kept my space and just enjoyed that as she walked by. And it yeah. was like, oh. And, you know, and I don't go to concerts and nothing, so this was a big thing for me. It's yeah. like my first ever. And to go to her, <laughs> it was amazing. I mean, it's like, Absolutely. how do you go, I mean... Call everything else off because this is the biggest one. Yeah, I had to keep reminding myself to watch her up on the screen. I'm like, I don't have to do that. She's right there. I can really see her. I'm like, right there where I can touch her. Yeah, isn't that funny when you go to these shows sometimes you find yourself watching the screen? Mm -hmm. But we were close enough that you could actually make out her face. Yeah. The real human. Yeah. It was, it's really different. Really different. (laughs) And I so enjoyed the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. One of the themes of the day was intention. One of the, the things we had to do in our workbook, we scored ourselves on, on different things. And the theme was about clarity of intention and kind of claiming things for yourself. So going through that exercise of how was it, what did it feel like to be led by Oprah Winfrey through this exercise of, okay, let me see, where do I fall with nutrition, with movement, with emotions, with spirituality, with work? She guided us through this exercise and... What did you what did did you discover anything in yourself like in that moment in this place of 15 or 14,000 people all this energy I mean they were even piping in some like patchouli or something to get us to feel mystical <laughs> but what was that like sitting there in that space with Oprah with all of her Oprah energy and scoring your sheets and really questioning that do you remember how you well, felt Yeah I think I for me I thought it was like really interesting that we were doing that as such a kind of uh mass mass market almost experience where I think there's a lot of things that I think about I try to like you know better myself and maybe I'm viewed sometimes as kind of a little bit too new agey <laughs> and stuff like that but I think it was kind of cool that we were introducing all of that to everyone around us you know that yeah. maybe don't think of things mm-hmm. or like these kind of um these self-optimization almost techniques that we're talking about, like how to be your best person, which I'm not saying I'm an expert, but, um, you know, I think some people are afraid of kind of analyzing why they do what they do. Um, And I think it was really cool to do it with a bunch of people in a room that 
felt very <clears throat> safe and um, and fresh. Like the perspective, I think, was was really new. Mm. I think for me, I, when we did our score at the end, I didn't feel judged. It's like, okay, that's my score, and it pretty much is what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I was like, you know, but this is where, why I'm here. This is, you know, let's learn and, and take it all in. And I didn't feel like, oh, wow, I didn't have your score when I looked over at Phil's and looked over <laughs> at yours, and I'm like, okay, I'm really suffering over here. <laughs> but they were pretty close. I mean, all of our scores were pretty yeah, close to each other. Yeah, which was amazing for yeah. me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, was, it was interesting for me to... to sit in that space and think that, oh, there's like 13,600 people who are at the same moment Mm -hmm. doing this work. And what must that mean energetically? I mean, and this is like where we go off the woo-woo deep end here in Los Angeles, but but there's energy. Like you can't deny that when you walk into a space, there's energy. Walking into an empty auditorium versus an auditorium full of people, there's an energetic change, even if nobody's really making noise. And so to think that there's, you know, nearly 14,000 people going through this experience together of thinking that, of, of maybe feeling walking in that they were going to judge themselves, that they weren't enough, that they weren't good enough. And then to have Miss Oprah Winfrey herself guiding you through this process, it, that to me felt really rich. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If we're all experiencing this in this moment. And you know, the lady that was sitting to my right, she, um, she had some people that came in later after lunch. And they were kind of noisy, you know, the people that talk at the movies behind you kind of people. <laughs> and she just looked at me and she goes, you know, they're not ruining my experience. I thought, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Whatever they're doing, leave it over there. And I'm not going to let you ruin mine either, lady, <laughs> no. next to me. Yeah, even though you were kind of sitting on top of me, it was like, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those seats were closed, right? One of the one of the other things I thought was really interesting was this idea of finding balance. And so the whole message was not about hey, there's a specific thing you need to be doing more of or you need to be in equilibrium or everything needs to be the same. Uh, and I think a lot of people feel that with work-life balance. I think there's probably a lot of people that listen to the mic drop moment and there's a lot of things that are out of balance because maybe they're traveling a lot as a speaker and they're on the road and they're not with family and they're not in their you know, m- meditation or journaling or just even their sleep process. They're not getting a right amount of sleep, which we talked about yesterday too. I think there's also a lot of people who are entrepreneurs who are starting their business and trying to put in all the work. And, and that takes a lot of energy, a lot of startup energy. And so I like this idea yesterday of balance, of balance isn't about everything being equal and everything being fair, but balance being about things are in their right proportion. How did that, I mean, what did you feel about that? I think that too, because I'm always thinking balance means every work, home life, health, everything should be at the same level. Yeah. And it's not. Everything is balanced in its own self. And for me, that was kind of eye-opening yesterday. I thought, they don't have to all match on the same level. Mm. Just, you know, do what I can at each level. Was there anything you were surprised at of like, oh, this I'm pretty good on this one? I think emotions. Because I think the three things that I, and I think we all, mm-hmm. um, saw as our kind of opportunity spaces were purpose nutrition, whatever that was called, mm-hmm. and what was the last one? Movement. Movement, Movement yeah. So I think the, um, yeah, we, I, I forget what the other categories were, but emotion, I was like, I guess I do handle my emotions relatively well at this point in my <laughs> life. You know, I have struggled with that and tried to, you know, better, because otherwise it's kind of, uh, you know, it's it's hard when your emotions are out of control. But yeah. I think um, 
the I think like the thing that I want to work the most on probably is finding that purpose journey more. Um, and then the, you know of course like the food and then the movement. Um, those are kind of givens. But it was like okay yeah I really do need to work on like what that story is in my head about my purpose mm-hmm. and kind of find that for myself. You know what for me when we were walking in and you were seeing people dancing and just going with it and stuff but I'm looking up and all thinking I want to be that person and I thought when I sit down I'm going to do that I'm going to dance I'm going to just be wild but then I find myself in the middle ground where I'm like um, I need permission to be doing this and you know I feel are the people behind me staring at me am yeah. I okay and I, get I was thinking that's that. why many people weren't or yeah. some people weren't writing in the book it's like I'm not looking at your book I don't care what you're writing I mean <laughs> we, we kind of Mike and I kind of compared notes but mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah, I think yeah. it's it's when you're in some kind of you feel like you're in school again, and it's like yeah. a competition. Yeah. Am I doing as well as you right. are? And you know, and I think it was interesting. I think in the beginning, Oprah was talking about how a current a, a, like a theme throughout all of her years of interviews was um, after the interview, the person that she was interviewing wanted to know if that was good, if that was okay, if they did a good job. If, yeah, you know, and I think that's just such like that's a human. That's the human condition, you know. Am I enough? Am I okay? How was that? You know, always right. getting the validation from someone. So you kind of felt like you were. I mean, you should have felt free in that environment. I did to do that, but mm-hmm. again, like some people are so new to that kind of space of analyzing their psyche. You know, it's interesting to think about people coming into that event and coming at such different levels. Like yeah. some people are there, and it's they're raw and feeling broken and really, really at a low place and not ready to do the work and other people who've likely done a lot of the work. There were, you know, Oprah would mention her inspirational gurus that she follows, the books she's read. And in an L.A. audience, this L.A. audience was here for it. They had known the people. They've, you know, this uh, California has a rep of being a little bit more uh, into that type of alternative new age thing. And so, yeah, woo woo. There were a lot of people who had read the books and who had seen the things, and then people who, the idea that we are responsible for our experience, that was totally new. And we even saw that down to, there was a there was a woman in front of us, and she, and the, the rows were very tight, and so there was a woman, uh, people came in to our row to sit on the other side of me, and they walked past this lady, and it's so tight that they knocked her jacket off of her seat. And then I found a jacket wrapped around my legs, and I thought, well, I don't know whose jacket it is, but I know it's likely came from that direction, like where they walked, it probably fell. So I just put it on a random person's chair. And you were saying, Mom, that you noticed, and then the woman whose jacket it was later realized her jacket was missing and was in a frenzy uh, in the middle of it trying to find her jacket. And uh, and then I pointed out, like, oh, I think it's on the back of this lady's chair. And she just ripped it off. Like that woman had stole it. But you had said, Mom, that you noticed her feeling really, that she seemed anxious or that her husband kept saying to her, it's okay, it's okay, being in the crowd. Yeah, she was really clinging to him. And I mean, he would like try to calm her down and it's like, it's okay, things are okay. But I noticed like even physically, she was just right up next to him and, yeah. and didn't like turn and look at any other people. And she didn't get involved in the dancing. I didn't see if she was doing her journal, but yeah, yeah it was, I just kept praying for her. I thought, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever you came here for, I hope you find it. Yeah, because everyone's Yeah, coming. I think it just like probably opened her mind a little bit yeah. more. Like it just like cracked the door. Right. Seeing it and she's going to go reflect on that. Even though she didn't participate, you know, mm-hmm. as she should have, but she still saw something different. Well, and, and who knows how she participated. Yeah, I was just yeah. thinking that. Because who knows what she was there to get. Right. Like, maybe what she was there to get was to say, whoa, I've never I've never been told that I could think this way. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time. Or who knows? You know, all kinds of 
things could have been going on with her. But it's really interesting to think of that. You know, it's one of the things that even just last week I was giving a keynote speech in Napa. And I remember, you know, you look out in the audience sometimes and there's everyone is cheering, loving you, laughing, smiling, giving you big, juicy, sexy, full of energy and life eyes. And then there's that one Karen, the one Karen who looks bored, who gives you a look like, wait, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm getting lost. And then you get stuck. If you haven't thought about it, you get stuck thinking about like, oh, Karen doesn't like me. There's 500 people who are like loving what yes. you got to do. And you're worried about effing Karen sitting over there. And maybe what Karen's thinking is, wait a second, have I ever done that? Maybe that scrunched brow that Karen has is her thinking, wow, how does it apply to me? But what we think is, oh, Karen's coming for me. Yes. She is giving me a look. And so you just never know. And so just like this lady sitting in front of you, mm-hmm. she was having some experience. Right. And maybe it was the one that she needed. Absolutely. You know, maybe it was the one that she needed. So it's it's easy to think that. But well, it is. she was there. So She was there. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. She was there. Yeah. And it wasn't easy to get there. No. Oh, we no. sat in some traffic. Even Oprah said, it ain't starting without her because she's not yeah. there yet. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably have just like social anxiety when they're in a big crowd anyway. So it's like even if you're at Oprah's show and you should feel comfortable, it's still, it's like if you're coming from your living room where it's, you know, just you and your Right. Whoever your family, and then you're in like a arena full of thousands <laughs> of people. And it I can do, be I, a lot. I have that. I have social anxiety, and it's like you know, just walking in, I'm like telling myself, "Breathe, it's okay. Right. You're going to be okay. Right. You, you Don't know, panic. Participate <laughs> as much as you can, and just you know, just sit there with it. And, yeah. And no, it was from beginning to end, it was amazing. What does that What does that feel like though? Like so, walking into a room and feeling like, oh my gosh, I do I belong here? Like, what is going on in your head? I feel like I have to constantly be asking permission to be here. Am am I okay to be here? Do I have the right to be here? You know, am I like everybody else? And you know, and it's yeah, it's it's horrible. Yeah. And what do you think is the? Does it stop you from doing things? It absolutely does. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't gonna let it stop me yesterday. <laughs> I mean, even the traffic. I was, you know, okay. Look at the sky. The plane going by. I can see it <laughs> in the top of the car there. And. Uh, but and getting in the crowds, I'm like, okay, people are touching me, and you know they're getting in my space. I'm like, okay, I'm focusing just on what's happening on the stage yeah. and what she's saying, and kind of let everything else be. Yeah. And yeah, social anxiety is—it's a real pain. Mm-hmm. It's real painful. One of the things I think that so many people also suffer with is the idea of looking silly or looking stupid. And it's even down to like the dancing, right? So in the morning, we kicked off with this group called Daybreaker. And then later after lunch, Julianne Huff came with her Kennergy movement. And it's one of those things that you see people, I even know sometimes I feel this way. I see people doing it and I was like, oh, that looks so fun and free. And then also I have to remind myself, like, just do it. Like, have fun as well. Nobody cares. Like, none of these people are watching you and worried about what you're doing. But there's this like pressure sometimes to think like, oh, well, I'm not... I mean, we weren't even dancing. We're like waving our hands in the right. air and pretending we were water. And it's like, who the hell pretends like they're water better than you? No, I don't know. Maybe Julianne Huff does because yeah. she looked pretty good she doing pretty it. Good up there, but yeah. like all the Karens in the audience, they didn't look very no. good doing the. I mean, I watched later. I saw in a video of Oprah doing the Kennergy thing. And it's like Oprah can't do the Kennergy thing either. <laughs> yeah. And I'm worried about my body in the middle of all these people doing this thing. And you realize like, ah, oh, how many times. Am I not fully biting into this big juicy peach that is life right. because I'm worried about looking bad or stupid? Yeah. And then you leave and you think, I had that opportunity. 
and I let that interrupt it all. Mm. I mean, for me, I go away and I'm like, gosh, why didn't you handle that differently? Yeah. You know, it's because I want to be that person up there, you know, raising their hands and doing it. I look <laughs> over at you guys, and you're doing it. And then the lady on the right, Mar- she's not moving on my right. She's just, I'm like, okay, I'm somewhere in between. I'm doing okay. Because yeah. <laughs> so I am constantly engaging. How am I? You know, am I okay? And I feel like I'm asking the whole audience, am I okay? Can I be here? Yeah. And it's, yeah. But, you know, to get to share that with you two, I don't know of any other people I would have wanted to share that moment with. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, looking over and I saw little tears in Bill's eyes, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> I can cry too. <laughs> okay, who's looking at me? He's with me too. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. a lot of people were crying. It's good to cry. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to cry. You know what's interesting about crying is it's a reminder that you're alive. Mm-hmm. It's a reminder that, like, oh, my God, I've got all of these feelings and all of this heart, and I can feel things. Yeah. So for me, that's sometimes the fun thing of like, and isn't it interesting that we can't But it's fe- interesting to think of like, there's a reason you're crying, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're crying. Why are you crying? And it's, yeah, it's like, it's a connection with, it's a, it's a moment to know something about yourself that you're like really drawn to or whatever. And yeah. like, you need to like think more about why that is and what it is about that, you know? Right. Yeah, it's kind of good. an opportunity yeah. to kind of dig. It's deep. That yeah. is deep. That is it's deep. the same thing almost that the fear mm-hmm. does. There's a lesson in the fear as well. Yeah. So the lesson in the tears, oh, look at that, it rhymes. There's the lesson <laughs> in the tears because you think, why is this touching me so? Right. What is it about this moment that's touching me so? And there's the same thing about the fears. Why am I so scared to walk into that arena? Mm-hmm. Why am I so scared to wave my hands around like I'm a piece of water a little bit of water, like Julian Huff says. Like, why am I fearing that? And that strong emotion, there's probably some truth under there. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, like, I remember being called weird growing up when you do something that's, like, unconventional, right? Yeah. And you don't like that word weird. Mm-hmm. So, like, and when you feel weird, you think you look weird, but that's not always the case, <laughs> you know? Right. It's okay to feel weird because it's, like, it's a journey. It's yeah. an adventure. And now at this point in my life, I feel less apprehensive about looking weird, feeling weird, you know, because everyone's kind of weird as long as you let yourself get there, you know? Yeah. That's good, yeah. Well, and it's 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 this idea that we have to fit in mm-hmm. and, like, how dangerous and pernicious is this idea of, like, you must fit in and, like, what a, yeah. what a boring existence that leads so many of us to of, like, this is the model, mm-hmm. squeeze into it. And then you realize you never can, that none of us actually can. It's the idea of... The, of you know, imposter syndrome. And it's like the only ones who are really imposters are the ones pretending like they don't feel it. Right. The ones who, who have no imposter syndrome ever, they're the ones who are actually the imposters because th- there's no way you don't feel it. Right. Even it, that was one of the interesting things to me yesterday was Jennifer Lopez mm-hmm. talking about, you know, how she was feeling doing the movie Hustlers. So in the movie Hustlers, she plays Ramona. This uh, And I agree, one of the big... Oscar Academy Award snubs was Jennifer Lopez not getting nominated for that movie. So she plays Ramona, who's this um, stripper who's been around, knows everything, knows the game forwards and backwards. And in the movie, uh, Jennifer Lopez has to wear what a stripper would wear while she dances on the pole. Now, Jennifer Lopez, when she dances on stage, like she said, she's basically in a a wetsuit. Every part of her is covered and there's three layers of tights and clothing on. So she's never that exposed as you are wearing essentially floss as a stripper. And she was talking about that yesterday and I I found it reassuring 
in a way that even Jennifer Lopez... I was right there with you thinking the same thing. Even Jennifer Lopez walking up to that pole for the first time in that movie was like, I'm really nervous. I'm really scared to do this. And it's like, okay, well, if she's scared to do that, then I can surely be scared to do some stupid thing I want to do and do it anyway. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing of getting to see them in person. It's so much different when you see them on TV. I don't know how to explain it, mm-hmm. but it's just watching her sitting in that chair and, and saying that, it's like, oh my God, she's real. She feels <laughs> and has the same thing, same things about motherhood and, and you know talking about her son and that we all do. She's yeah. no different. She just has a different job. Yeah, and this idea that that everyone else out there is not as scared as we are all of the time is untrue. And to hear her say, I have butterflies. I'm like, are you kidding me? You have butterflies? Right. I have them too. Yeah. Yeah. Mega stars. They're yes. just like us. Yes. She was talking about yesterday as well. While she, at the Super Bowl, she went on second. Shakira was on first and then J-Lo came on after that. And she was talking about what that was like because she, she couldn't just be hiding in a dressing room. She had to be standing ready to next go. to the mm-hmm. stage ready to go. And she had six minutes to watch this crowd energized and connecting with Shakira waiting for her chance to get up there. And she was talking about the butterflies and what was going on there, too. Yeah, it must be amazing because I wonder, in that moment, is she judging herself watching Shakira? Oh. Yeah. Because nobody shakes their hips like Shakira. I just don't <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anybody. Those hips don't lie. <laughs> no, there's nobody like her. But she came out and she knocked out her moment just as well. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. Love them both. Yeah, it was, really, it was a really interesting thing. Throughout the day, we worked on intention and setting intention and being clear with our intentions. And I wrote down, I don't know if Oprah said it or I wrote it down as a reaction to something. And I wrote down, what do I need to claim for myself? That was a question I thought of because I thought, Oprah said this at the beginning of the day, the real thing is not about finding the answers. It's about asking the right questions Mm -hmm. because that'll lead you to the answers. And so at some point I wrote down, what do I need to claim for myself? in the section of the book where we were talking about intention. What does that mean to you? Did you have that same feeling at all of like, what is it that I really want to claim here? What am I, what do I need to put my name on? Well, I mean like the thing that I want is my equilibrium. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? That means that I feel the most comfortable in my skin that I can, you know, without worry, you know, without um, a lot of, judgment of what I have versus what other people have and I think that's really the root of like a lot of um, you know discomfort that people have is that comparison game that we all play and especially now with more social media it's so easy to do it like minute by minute and it's like I need to disengage from all that because it's not that's not going to get me where I need to be you know so um, yeah I think my intention was really just being um finding that like homeostasis to use a very scientific term but like you know where you just feel calm confident and comfortable and that's and that's also the prayer that I I say in the mornings quite a bit is to get to just give me that calm that comfort um and that confidence that I need every day and that was part of my intention walking away from Oprah for my purpose was to do more um daily prayer in my life like to do that every day. I think that's really important for me. Yeah. I think I like the word, I was looking for a word, but equilibrium, I think that's right. That's equilibrium. The, yeah. yeah. Equilibrium, that's exactly what. Because it's not, yeah, it's, it's not like, 
like you were saying earlier, where your your work and your love life and your everything have to be the same kind of mm-hmm. level or energy, you know, to, to meet. But it's yeah. not true. It's like your own equilibrium <laughs> is something that's like unique to you, what you need. Um, and it's a personal journey. Right. Well, and there's some level of some of the things are just more natural for you. Mm-hmm. So like some people, the like the the emotional part of the spiritual part of the movement part is like it's just part of them so it's not something they actually have to put attention on because right. it's it's fine and the other areas are where they need attention and so it's it's that's one of the things i thought was really unique is going through and saying hey there's not one thing you all need to do mm-hmm. it's really this holistic view of wellness so let's right. consider where you might be at where you need to start i know for me one of the things i thought about on the intention side was the just feeling more at peace, feeling more just whatever's going on. There, she talked about the idea of stress coming from wanting the current experience to be something different than it is and the, the power in just accepting what is, saying, okay, well, I could be mad about what I wish this was. I could be mad about what it used to be. But the reality is it's still here right now what it is. So what can I do with it? Right. I think there's a lot of people out there who are entrepreneurs, who are performers, who are in that same place of, of what if you just said this is what it is? This is like what's happening is what's happening and me stressing about it being something different is possibly me stressing twice because if it does end up happening, this is very like Byron Katie yes. of like, yeah. you know, loving what is because if, if you think like something bad's going to happen to me, then you've now thought about it when it wasn't happening and then when it does happen, you've thought about it again. Yeah. So absolutely. you've suffered twice. You've suffered twice. It's interesting when we put ourselves through that. I mean, I'm a, a big uh, fan of that kind of thinking, and I wish I could get rid of it more. Of like, I, I'm very much future oriented, so I'm always thinking about like what will be, what could be, what would I like it to be, versus just being in that moment. So that was my big intention was just live right here for a little bit. Right. Here and now. Here and now. Here and now. now. We practice that as a group. Uh, Thirteen. 1,600 people meditating with Jesse Israel from The Big Quiet. And that was really interesting. Like 13,000 people in silence. Mm -hmm. That was super cool. Yeah. What was that? I know, Mom, for you, like meditation has been more of a newer uh, Mm -hmm. thing that you've been experiencing and trying and and doing that. What was that like for you to do that with 13,600 new friends? Oh, well, it was amazing because I was actually most of the time I was able to stay right where, you know, in my mind where I was thinking. And then you hear a sneeze and I'm like, okay, back at it. Let's, <laughs> and just constant refocusing. It's yeah. like, okay, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Just, you know, go back to it. Just recorrect and get back where I was thinking and, and stay focused. Because, yeah, there was a few people sneezing and coughing and I was like, okay, you're <laughs> messing my mojo up over here. <laughs> well, then it was like really like the time of um, the time of recording this and the time of the event was the height of the coronavirus. And so you're also in the thing and you're like, oh my gosh, people cough and sneeze this much in normal life? Like, it was like, I don't even know how long, just a couple of minutes of silence. Right. And it was like, oh my gosh, there's this many people coughing and sneezing around you all the time. Yeah, it was. Well, and then I just wondered the thinking. It's like, you know when someone says, don't think about that? Well, the minute they tell you, then you start thinking about right. it. I'm like, are they sneezing and coughing just because someone said, you know, we need to stay quiet? But yeah, to get that many people just... From the level we were at when we walked in with all the noise and, and, and the music and stuff um, from the Daybreakers, and then to have hush, just get everybody to control yeah. to get that at yeah. that level. But it was, was very like top level kind of thing. It was just like basically get quiet, which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. You don't have to focus on like really meditating. It's just like 
there is so much noise that we create that is around us that we're just like used to and just being like quiet is almost unnerving until you start to accept it and realize that it's just it's just a moment you know to like go wherever you want to go in your head there was nothing about mantra or anything really to focus on yeah. which is kind of like next level thinking on meditation and again it goes back to like these are all new things for people to think of and right. they don't want to make it so esoteric that it's like it's polarizing and like overly weird to people where they're not going to like investigate it further you know right, right. it was a good right, gateway yeah. drug mm-hmm. yeah it was the marijuana of meditation there you go <laughs> yes absolutely but but and I did think it was interesting because it was just like a there was a message that I think Oprah said or, or maybe Jesse said it of you deserve rest you deserve rest and I kept thinking you deserve for myself you deserve a peaceful mind mm-hmm. um and I thought that that was just a really interesting way in was with this little meditation piece. And again, 13,600 people being silent in a huge thing was really, I don't know, it really was interesting to me of like we all felt like we were breathing and moving and becoming one. Right. And that there was something deeper going on there, a deeper connection. And, you know, I was kind of thinking that if we can get 13,660 how many people were there doing this, that if we really focused in on the things we could do, I mean, as a nation, you know, getting people to be that quiet, yeah. it's like amazing things could happen. Yeah. It's and I possible. think, you know, I'm just thinking about this now, like it, it was mostly women in the crowd. Yeah. So I think there's also a, like just a, a warmth that comes with that. I mean, I know like we're all different kind of <laughs> levels of spaz, but in general, like <laughs> I think it's, it, it just, see, I feel, I just feel like it's, probably a much more profound and rich feeling when it's like there's a lot of that kind of warm um, estrogen kind of well, emotion. And I think even, even like a different angle on that is it's a group of people who came to experience Oprah Winfrey. Of course. Right. So yeah. it's not even, it's it's like a whole nother level of like. But everyone loves their mom and everyone has sure. an association with women. And I feel like some of that was... I think that's something that like is unique to, um, you know, f- large large groups of friends that are all women, and it's just a different energy than like a lot of male energy, which is often associated with a lot of these big events. Yeah. You know, and that whole dynamic, um, it was. I think it definitely influenced it in a positive way. So let's talk about that. At the top of the show, <laughs> one of the things that I was surprised by that I immediately felt uh, in a way I felt like I felt in so many other places that I didn't belong uh, because I wasn't what everyone wanted to label. So at the top of the event, Oprah came out and uh, had all of the women stand up and celebrated all of the women and then had the women sit down and had the men stand up. And one, you became very aware that in 13,600 people, there were probably about 600 men in the group. And as I looked around the room, I recognized, you know, a lot of them were there with their their wife or their partner or their girlfriend. Uh, they were solo men standing up to someone who appeared to uh, be, be a romantic interest. There were a lot of people who appeared to be there with their mom or their auntie or somebody who was a little older than them. And then there were a lot of couples. There were a lot of gay couples. 
So as we stood there, Phil and I, next to my mom, all the women were sitting, the men were standing, uh, I looked around and it felt like, okay, this is pretty cool. These are, these are people who came to have an experience. And then the next thing surprised me. Oprah said that the men got eight weeks, meaning you get eight weeks of favors. You get eight weeks of a free pass in your relationship. And then she said, you don't even know why you're here. You just know it's an Oprah thing. You don't even know what's going to happen. And I disconnected in such a big way from that message because I thought, oh, the fact that I want to be here, the fact that I chose to be here, the fact that I'm a man who is interested in doing this kind of work and this kind of self-growth and this kind of development makes me different again. The fact that I'm not here with a girlfriend who I need to get eight weeks of blowjobs from or something like that makes me different again. And I was really surprised. I think I was surprised that, uh, that Oprah wasn't more woke to, to that and to the fact that like there's probably a lot of gay men in this thing. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this for the straight men that were there with their, their wives, girlfriends, whoever they were there with. Like, they also could just be interested in this work. Like, why can't a, a, a man who is straight be interested in coming here and reflecting and listening and finding silence and looking at his intention? And I just thought, like, right off of the bat, I was really surprised by that. That this was another place where being a, a man, gay or straight, who was interested in self-development, who was not interested in toxic masculinity, uh, that it was not immediately welcome. And it's a slow roll, right? Because it's like, yeah, whatever, get over it, move on. This isn't the toughest thing in the world. Absolutely. But we're also in an environment where there is so much to toxic masculinity. And a lot of that is, sure, like men making choices. But a lot of that is what we as we listening to the show, the people who listen to this, who are on stages, who have voices, who have podcasts, who write books, who are influencers, we are responsible also for the energy and intentions we put out there. And if the energy and intentions we put out there are that men can't possibly come to an Oprah Winfrey event because they personally want to grow and learn, then we're also responsible for spreading this toxic mas masculinity. Did that moment sit with you any certain way until yeah, I started yeah. ranting about it? I was just surprised that it wasn't more about, like, this is a human experience, mm -hmm. like, that that would be the message. We're not here, women and men, we're all here as, like, humans with all, like, the same set of worries and um, the same struggle, you know, is, like, finding our best self. And so, yeah, that, that did feel quite weird to me that um, the lack of any language about, like, gay people you know, being there, like, to me, in my mind, is a little bit, like, non-inclusive. Yeah. Um, it's, and it just, it's evocative of um, the, I don't want to say Oprah personally, but the machine of Oprah and what they're um, marketing towards, that became very clear to me, and I think it, it discounts a lot of people that are big advocates of Oprah and who she is and her message, and it just maybe opened my eyes a little bit in kind of a... A, sad, a little bit of a sadness, um, but I quickly got over it, but it was just like, wow, that's really kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I, I didn't really pay attention to it until you brought it up as we were walking last night, and I thought, oh, my first thing is, 
how dare somebody do that to my child? You know, as a mother, you're like, no, 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 this is wrong. Yeah. How and dare you? Yes. Because I know even in my own language, I have to, um, like when I introduced to the lady on my right, you know, I didn't, I could have said, and left her to believe what she wanted. Right. This is my son-in-law. This is my son. You know, were you married to right. my daughter? What? And I said, no, this is my son. This is my um, son's husband. And I'm like, there, now you can sit with that. Yeah. How do you feel is up to you. But, you yeah. know, I'm going to speak my truth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I thought that. I thought that again later with, and again, it's not everybody's responsibility to be thinking about how everybody feels, but I feel like when you have the stage, and, and again, for a lot of people that listen to this show who are speakers or entrepreneurs, who write blogs, who have podcasts, we are responsible for the things that we say. And if you choose to grab the microphone, if you choose to be the kind of person who's going to have mic drop moments in your own life, I think that you do have responsibility to think about what you're really saying. And I just was really surprised by that then. I was surprised later as well. Jennifer Lopez was talking about raising her children and Alex Rodriguez's children, you know, they have they have children from previous marriages and him with Cynthia and her with, with Mark Anthony. And she was talking about how it was important they all f- worked together, they all did this and that, because, you know, children need their mother and their father. And I thought, okay, well, like, it's not every, I don't feel like it's everyone's job to, like, take care of my feelings, but I do think when you are on these big stages and you have an opportunity to be thoughtful about what you say, be thoughtful about what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, like, there's a lot of single moms in that audience who were maybe married to abusive jerks who they got away from and that child doesn't have that parent anymore. And they've replaced that child with an uncle, with a friend, with somebody else, with community. And so I just feel to be at that level, to have any kind of voice where people listen to, I'm very thoughtful about what I put on this show for my tens of listeners. And I just think like you have a chance to use your voice to help change the conversation. Absolutely. And family looks, because when that, now when that was set by Jennifer Lopez, I kind of picked up on that. And I thought, okay, family looks different. Because I remember when I got divorced, and I said to my my good friend at the time, I said, we're not a family. I was so concerned about that. We're not going to be a family. It's just going to be my kids and myself. Mm. And she goes, family is whatever you want to make it. I thought, wow. And I've kept that with me forever. It's like, it doesn't matter, you know, because your sister is in a, a relationship with a woman too. And it's like, okay, I know. You know, a lot of people are like, how did you get two gay kids? I said, I don't know, but I was damn lucky. <laughs> I was damn lucky. And I've got extra ones, too. Yeah. 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 So, I think I mean, that's just an insight it. into these people's paradigms. Yeah. And the, they know that on some level they're not going to be pushed into that, um, that advocate territory for really changing our, our society. Right. Aside from our personal development, which is really important, but... The, the tone of the room was really about personal development. It mm-hmm. wasn't about political advocacy or yeah. anything yeah. like that. It was very, very washed out in terms of that perspective. And But this is one of the things that I think I, I feel so differently about. I don't feel that that conversation is political at all. I don't feel like... It is, though. No, I get that it is for people, but it isn't actually a political thing. Who yeah. should be able to love who? That has and nothing to do with back politics. To, back to what I said earlier, I think it was it was just surprising that this wasn't about like a human journey. This yeah. was about a woman's journey. Right. Like it really, it's right. not. All of that wasn't anything to do with are you a woman or a man. 
Yeah. Um, and we know there's things in between, you know, that we're not even talking about. Like, it just seemed like it was too heteronormative, um, you know, myopic. Right. Where, like, the whole message that we were actually talking about was so big and broad and exploratory about the universe and who we are and who we, how do we fit into it. And at some, in some level, on the front end, it was very, very boxed in, you know. Yeah. Which was odd. Well, if, if there's this message of self-acceptance, then if you were even like a, a straight guy there with your wife and you were really interested in it, you immediately felt like, oh, I'm supposed to not like this. Mm-hmm. Like, I imagine that. Like, imagine feeling, right. you know, like think about Curtis Stone who was in the audience and he was there. And to think about like, you know, I'm sure he's fine. He's probably got a nice, healthy ego and everything. <laughs> so he's probably fine. But imagine that you were someone who was sitting there thinking, oh, I'm not, so maybe I won't write in my book now. Maybe I won't go full out dancing with Julianne Huff or any of these things because uh, this isn't really for me because I'm supposed to be like a dude who's not into this kind of thing. Right. And I just thought like, what a way to cheapen that experience for them when when they're showing up to probably possibly do the work. Right. It's a way to, to discount that. It's yeah. also a reminder of, you know, Taylor Swift last year got a lot of flack. She she kind of came out for the first time with a, a political point of view um, a couple of years ago. And then last year with her song, You Need to Calm Down, such a, a strong message of support for her, her gay and lesbian, I mean, not even her fans, just gay and lesbian people in general. And she got a lot of, of flack for not doing it earlier, for not saying something earlier, for this and that. And, you know, I think everyone's on their own journey. But it's just a reminder of like, wow, even that what she did that is a statement because there's so many places where people could make a statement and they choose not to. Right. So even if we want to look and say like, well, you know, Taylor did a video and, you know, it was long time coming, like took a long time. But even at this event yesterday, like none of that was represented and, and right. it didn't need to be represented as far as like we have an LGBT table over here. But to even just in the in the messaging to discount the fact that a guy would like to be here to grow and that we all just weren't there with our girlfriends expecting eight weeks of blowjobs or whatever she right. meant by that. And yes, he did just say that with his mom sitting here. Hey, there's an E on these episodes for a reason and it doesn't mean, uh, I don't know what it would mean, but it means I'm going to say some stuff, okay? The real human experience. Yes, yeah. the real yeah. human you're gonna experience you're going to get. Um, you know... I mean, here's the thing. This is the thing I always think about parents and children is like, well, I know you did it at some point because I'm here and I ain't believing the story about the damn stork anymore. So I know you did some nasty with someone at some point, baby. As Oprah said, her dad told her mom had a poodle skirt on and mm, he oh, wanted yeah. to see what was up under that. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, no, there was such Lord. a thing. You know, and, and I want to make clear as we like as we wrap up this conversation that was that was one thing that I had, and I also am able to be the person who can have a full human experience, even if there are parts of it that I think this is something that needs change. And this right. is why I do things like talk about, uh, have episodes on this show about visibility. This is why I'm interested in in being a full rounded person, and I don't have to go be a gay activist and label myself that to also stand up and say, wait a second, I don't agree with this. And so while I feel the way I felt about that. 20 minute not even 20 minutes a five minute right. part of the day i also had another seven hours and 55 minutes of wonderful amazing blissful right. personal growth because i could separate the two and so the day was really lovely i mean oprah uh, the ending let's oh, talk yeah. about it from a production standpoint she was she's a great storyteller 
Misha's Oprah F and Winfrey. Yes. You know? Absolutely. And uh, at the end, she told the story of her mom's death. Mm-hmm. Her mom, who kind of famously, she was estranged from, from for their whole life. Right. Uh, no, not estranged. Not estranged, but like... They were distant. What distant. does that mean? Like, complicated. The complicated. relationship status was, yeah. it's complicated. Very. Um, and so she was talking about when her mom died in 2018 and the journey she went through because she was Oprah Winfrey and she was like, I don't, I don't know, have any words. Right. If anyone in the world is supposed she to have words. She had too many words. Yeah. She couldn't even like coalesce it. Yeah. She yes, didn't know what to absolutely. say. Yeah. Uh, and then she ended up with this beautiful message to her mom and it was just a really great way to end to talk about healing, mm-hmm. to talk about self growth. Yeah. To really bring it back to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about her. Yeah. It's really about you. And what other people have done. Yeah. What was your, so what was your, uh, so I always think mic drop moments are those moments when uh, someone, when we're on stage and not that we say the thing that's like, boom, I said it, take that. It's when we are standing on stage and we say something that is like so truthful from us. We're, We're showing up and we are this little cell that's grown into a whole big person and the whole job of those cells is self-expression. The cell is always just trying to like get to its highest level of self-expression. And I think a mic drop moment is when you reach that in front of other people and you say your truth and then in your truth, they see their own truth as well. Mm-hmm. That's what a mic drop moment is to me, not just the joke that makes everyone laugh, but when there's a profound truth that resonates with everybody. What was that moment for you yesterday? What was your most like mic drop moment that you witnessed someone else have yesterday or that you had yesterday? I think for me was when she fell. When she fell, I just stood there and looked at her like, oh my God, I don't care how much you planned, how scripts you've got, whatever you've got, life happens. And it's like, you can plan all you want, but things are going to happen. And it's how well she bounced back up, almost literally <laughs> just threw off her shoes and somebody get me some shoes. And it's like, we're going to keep going on. Right. You know, she never missed a day of, of um, the Oprah show. And it's like, okay, that right there is character and integrity. And yeah. that was huge for me that everything doesn't have to be perfect before I do it. Just get in there and do it. And, you know, if you fall, throw your shoes off and keep going. That's it. <laughs> well, it was literally, she she uh, she fell, gave you a mic drop moment, but she did not drop the mic. She <laughs> held on to that little sucker in her palm of her hand. She, oh, and she and I was thinking, oh, Lord, she's going to hurt later because, you know, as you get she's older. 66. Right, right. But she did it well. And yeah, it would have helped her if she dropped the mic, though. She would have had both hands. Because <laughs> really, when she went down, she just used the one hand. Yeah. And the other had the mic. So it was like she did not want to drop. She, she didn't want a mic drop moment. She did not want a mic drop moment. Yeah, that was one of those things, too, I think. I mean, and you can see it everywhere. So if you're interested in seeing Oprah fall, just look up Oprah right. fall. Uh, it's the big talk of everything. She's become a meme, uh, for yep. sure. So if you want to see that, you can go look that up. And we'll copy it into the show notes for you as well. But... It was a good moment for, I think, for performers, for speakers, for entrepreneurs, and for, like, all of us having an experience of, like, some shit's going to happen. Right. And, like, just roll on over, kick off your heels, and keep on going, baby. Right. Because, you know, the next moment's waiting for you. And when she came back after lunch, the first thing I was noticing is what shoes does she have on now? (laughs) But she had tennis shoes on. Because she she went barefoot for a while. (laughs) Like, barefoot on the floor of the arena. And I was like, oh, she don't get coronavirus. First thing I was thinking is, man, she's just like me. Kick them shoes off. Yes. Let's get real here. Yes. And what about for you, Phil? What was a mic drop moment that you experienced or that you saw someone else have yesterday? Well, I think that it was really full circle 
for me. Um, you know, when we moved, when we lived in Chicago, we went that one wintry day to see her show, and it was Ricky Martin, I think. Yeah, it was when Ricky and, Martin was coming out. Yeah. So, and I felt such a warmth, and like I loved seeing her in action, and I felt like a warmth. Just like she she spoke about like that she really wanted to infuse all of her shows about like something significant and it was a learning moment and um, kind of that intention that she spoke about and I felt that like really also like a really high production value like when we went to the show and I feel like the same thing um, from this experience it was very it was there was a high value to it um, it felt like a high a high production value um, and well put together and thinking of being there for Ricky Martin to come out on her show, I know that she is an advocate of my community, and um, you know I, I think that she's such like an amazing person because she's so generous with her 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 airtime with people and allowing them to really put out a message in a safe place that's really profound. And I think that we all walked away from that experience feeling like there was something that we learned from it, even if we couldn't articulate it at the moment. It was like, it was just cool and eye-opening. And mm -hmm. um, like, I, I felt blessed that I had the opportunity to go. It was really cool. Yes. And when you leaned over and hugged me and said, I love you, I was like, oh, I'm done. That was <laughs> the best part of my day. <laughs> it was just yeah. wonderful. It just felt good. Yeah, it yeah. was all the way around. My big mic drop moment from yesterday was that opening bit, was the part where she made the comment about the men in the audience and that. Because what I realized is that we're never done. That even when you become a three billionaire owner of like a, a state with 3,700 trees that you hired someone to count, even when you're Oprah Winfrey, you're not done learning. And every moment and every experience has something to teach us. And that for the rest of us, for everyone out there, there's power in showing up. There's power in standing up and using your voice because even someone like Oprah Winfrey can possibly learn from us. And so that was a big mic drop moment for me was, uh, I'm doing the right work and we're doing the right work. And by showing up, by using our voice, and by telling our stories, maybe we can change the world. Even if it means with a mega mogul, richest woman on the world who's super famous, even she has lessons to learn, and she might just learn them from a little boy who started his life in a trailer. And that's it for this episode of the Mic Drop Moment. My guests today were my husband, Chef Phil Fox, and my mom, Mindy Smith. Uh, it was kind of fun to have them on the show and to chat with them a little bit. And we, of course, were sharing our experience from Oprah's 2020 Vision Tour. Uh, she stopped here in Los Angeles with Jennifer Lopez as her guest, and we got to attend and we got to talk about it here. And so if you want to learn more about what's going on with the Mic Drop Moment and some of the moments from the show, you can head on over to MikeGanino.com to read all of the show notes. And if you're never heard of, I don't know, if you've never heard of Oprah, good luck. I guess that's what I would say to you. But they are opening the vault to the Oprah Winfrey Show and producing episodes from the Oprah Winfrey Show into a brand new podcast. Ten episodes will be released uh, this week on March 3rd. So check out all things Oprah Winfrey. Uh, 
not that she needs my help, but you know what I mean. Anyway, thanks for listening. I value your time and attention. We'll see you on the next episode. This episode has ended, but your journey doesn't have to. Head on over to MikeDenino.com. Access all the resources and links that Mike and his guests shared today. And keep on crafting your own story. That's MikeDenino.com. Your audience is waiting. Isn't it time to find your hashtag mic drop moment? 